0: There was a border patrol agent, an uh, officer, who was very good at his job. He was a man who prided himself in being being able to sniff out smugglers, you know, kind of like a drug sniffing dog he was a, He was that good he was able to sniff them out. he could spot him a mile away and One day, a man in a truck drove up to his his uh, crossing there and he stopped him and he sniffed out some some contraband that was there. He knew this man was a smuggler. So he ordered him to get out of his truck, and he searched him. And he searched the truck thoroughly. He took off the bumpers. He checked the wheel wells. He did everything. But there was nothing. He couldn't find a thing. So finally, reluctantly, he had to let the guy go through. Well, the next week, about the same time, the same guy came through in his truck, and, and, the, and the border control officer said, you know, at this time I'm going to catch him. So he got him out of, the, out of, out of his vehicle and uh, searched him. And week after week he did this and he couldn't find a thing. Each week he was doing something more. You know, he did an x-ray. He did sonar. He did, uh, you know, full body search. He did all these kinds of things. Brought out the dogs. I mean, everything. He couldn't find a thing. Finally he was about to retire. On his last day on the job he was there and lo and behold who should pull up but this guy in his truck. And he said to him, come on, buddy, this has been bugging me. I mean, this is bugging me. This is my last day on the job. I'm retiring. There's no way in the world I can possibly do you any harm, but i got to know before I retire, please help me out. What? I know you're smuggling something. What are you smuggling? The guy looked at him and said, trucks. (laughs) You know, sometimes, I think a lot of times, People are so distracted with other things that they miss the obvious. You know, they, they just miss the obvious in life. So take, take Saul of Tarsus, for example. Saul, soon to be known as Paul. And Saul was a guy who was convinced that Jesus was just a troublemaker and he was better off dead. And now he was going to go out and he was on his way to Damascus to round up Jesus' remaining followers up there and throw them into jail so they could sit there and rot for a while until they came to their senses and came back to the true faith of the Pharisees, which is what Saul was. But I tell you what, people are distracted by a lot of different things. Many times the things that we're distracted by these days are things having to do with technology. Like, you know, we used to live on this street where there was this curve about, a, you know, maybe about a block or so down. And uh, there uh, one day I was working out in my yard and I noticed this car that was coming around the curb and uh, came a little bit too fast and jumped the, the curb, went up on the lawn of that family there, tore up the lawn with the wheels of the car, drove back off the curb, back onto the street and, and on down the street. I could notice, you know, as the car drove by that it was this young woman on a cell phone. And later, the police came, they investigated, they discovered that, uh, you know, this one little inconvenient detail for her was that when she jumped the curb, she also wiped out her oil pan. So she left this trail of oil all the way to her house, and the police just followed the trail of oil all the way to her house and gave her a ticket when they, found, you know, when they knocked on the door. Not a problem. Now, that, that, as bad as that was, you know, it turned out that she was actually trying to text and that's why she bumped over that curb, because uh, she was distracted. She, and she didn't stop because, well, she wasn't through with the text. She had to keep texting. So she went on home and finished it up. Well, there was another guy who was a pedestrian in Northern California, and he was out walking one day when uh, he was texting on his cell phone. And uh, lo and behold, in the last moment, he looked up to discover that he was just feet from a huge black bear that he was walking into. I mean, talk about missing the obvious, okay, because you're distracted. Well, as, you know, as, as you know, obvious as those things are that these people have missed the obvious, uh, what happens when people miss God? Because God is certainly bigger than a black bear. He's bigger than a curve. He's bigger than all these kinds of things. And yet people are so distracted with so many different things that they miss the obvious, which is God right before them. That's like Saul. Okay, Saul missed the obvious, and Saul was distracted by many different things in his life. He was somebody that uh, uh, was uh, a person who had a a foot in both worlds. He was both Jewish and uh, he had a foot in the Greek or the Gentile world. He was born in Tarsus, which was outside of the you know Judea uh, concentration of Judaism. And uh, there he grew up with the best possible education. He studied at the feet of Gamaliel, who was one of the best teachers of the day. He received the best possible education, and he became a Pharisee. Now the question is, what is a Pharisee? Paul talks about that period of time in Philippians 3 in this way. He says, if anyone else thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for legalistic righteousness, faultless. Throughout the, the Scriptures, we see this uh, name, Pharisee. Okay? And we know that you know, Pharisee kind of is synonymous with people who are just not doing too good. Uh, Jesus calls them hypocrites, things like that. But what were they or who were they? Well, there was actually three different groups of people in uh, Palestine uh, or or Judaism at that time, and the first was one that was really not mentioned in Scripture. uh, They're called the Essenes. They're the ones that have the Dead Sea Scrolls that we're familiar with. They were found at this old Essene settlement by the Dead Sea. The Essenes believed in separatism. They separated themselves from the rest of culture and withdrew to the wilderness where they uh, devoted themselves to studying God's Word and to this, uh, this community of believers. And then there was also the Sadducees. And the Sadducees were uh, descendants of this priestly clan who used to be in charge of the temple. And by, you became a Sadducee not necessarily just by what you believed, but by your bloodline, and by your relations. They believed in the first five books of the Bible. They believed that you should follow them legalistically. Everything that's written there, that's what we do. Nothing more, nothing less. But the Pharisees, the ones that we're most concerned with here, are the people who uh, are, are people who uh, really added things, or really the better word is enhanced things in Scripture, or updated. Ah, that's the word: updated things. What they would do is they would go to the Old Testament, go to those first five books of the Law, go to the books of, of, of Moses, and there uh, you can find certain laws that are kind of specific. Other laws that are very vague. Certain laws that might be very specific in their time, but, you know, times have changed. Technology has improved. Let me give you an example of um, if you were a modern-day Pharisee, okay? In the Old Testament law, it says that on the Sabbath day, a person is not to build a fire. Because in fire, building a fire involved work. And people in those days would use fire for cooking, they would use it for heating, they would use it to illuminate their homes, and uh, so these days, you know, if you're a modern day Pharisee, you'd look at that and say, well, nobody really builds a fire anymore unless they go camping or something. Uh, okay, maybe in your living room, uh, fireplace or something, but not the way they did then. So what would that be like today? What, what does that law maybe mean today if we were to update it? So uh, th- the modern day descendants of the Pharisees among some rabbinic schools believe that you should not flip a light switch on the Sabbath, okay, because that was their update for lighting that fire. Well, this is the kind of people that the Pharisees were. So one day when Jesus and his disciples were about to eat and they sat down to eat and began to eat, And the Pharisees who were there looked at them and they were, they were appalled because Jesus' disciples did not wash their hands according to the rituals of, of the fathers, of the Pharisees. And what they're talking about here, I mean, I I believe in washing my hands before I eat, along with the, the best of them, okay? But it's not that kind of hand washing. Instead, what it is, is taking some water, rinsing it over your hands so that you might be presented as pure before God. And Jesus looked at this and said, come on, that's not what makes you pure before God just simply because you poured water over your hands. No, instead, what makes you pure before God is when you have a transformed heart. And out of that transformed heart comes a transformed life. Jesus looked at the Pharisees and he called them hypocrites because they talked about uh, following these things to be pure before God when they themselves were not pure before God. Instead, they would go out and they would uh, win converts to this Pharisaical kind of Judaism. And Jesus said, that makes the person you have converted twice as d- deserving as, of hell as you are. I mean, Jesus was somebody who really spoke it as it was. And he was concerned about this because it wasn't just themselves that they were deceiving, but it was other people that they were deceiving. Well, Saul was proud to be one of these Pharisees. And he saw his job to be to purify the church, purify the religion. So he headed out, able to see physically, but not for long. And yet he was blind in terms of being able to see the obvious, to be able to see the God who was before him. But a funny thing happened on the way to Damascus. Saul was heading there to do the favor, the kindness to the church to uh, uh, set them free from this delusion that he thought that they were under. But, But as he rode, a bright light shone and a voice spoke to him and he was knocked off of his horse by the experience. We don't know which it was, or the combination, or whatever it was, but somehow he was knocked off of his horse, and these words were then spoken in Acts chapter 9. "'Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me?' "'Who are you, Lord?' He didn't know. "'Who are you, Lord?' Saul asked. "'I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting,' he replied." Now note that, that what Saul is doing is persecuting the church. And with these words, what we see is that when, it, when someone looks at the church, what they do is they see Jesus. And when Saul was persecuting the church, he was persecuting Jesus himself. Jesus is present here because his church is here. So he says, why, why are you doing this, Saul? And here's the irony, is that Saul was this Pharisee who devoted his adult life to studying God's Word. And yet in the midst of studying God's Word, he was so distracted with all of these other things, these lists and these different things that he had going on, that he missed the obvious. He missed God who was right there in front of him. I mean, how do you miss something that big? But Saul missed it. The Pharisees were people who, they didn't call themselves Pharisees. These were people who called each other things like scribe and rabbi and friend. So we see these words in the Bible referring to these Pharisees. They called themselves these things because they prided themselves in their biblical scholarship, but in the midst of that, they missed Jesus. They missed the Son of God. Well, Saul is not alone. As a matter of fact, I see Satan as being kind of like a really good magician. Where with a magician, what happens is while something important is happening over here in this hand, they will distract the eye with something over here in this hand. And that's the way that it is in life, is that while God is doing something incredibly important, it's easy to become distracted over here so that we miss what it is that God's up to and what it is that he's doing. What is it that distracts people these days? I think that the number one thing is busyness. Oh man, this is a busy day. This is a busy age, isn't it? I mean, you know, there's, people, you know, I think see value in seeing themselves as busy. You know, if I am busier than God, I must really be important. You can ask somebody who even doesn't have much going on and ask them how they're doing and oftentimes get the response of, I'm crazy busy, you know, and I'm so busy that I don't even have time for God. And God's just going to have to understand, you know, because I'm just too busy. But when that happens, when a person becomes so busy that they don't have time for God, it means that they're distracted from God, and this thing, I guarantee you, is the result. It's just simply the way of things. It is the result. And that is that when a person does not take the time to focus on the Lord and invest in that relationship, come close to Him, and and fix their heart and their mind on Him, they will miss the obvious they will drift away from him. They will find a dry faith, a valley in their faith. It's just the way that it works. It's not legalism. It's nothing like that. It's just simply the way that it works. It's the way that it works in any relationship. If you have another relationship and you ignore that relationship, you're too busy for that person, you don't get together, you don't invest in them, you don't spend time with them, there's no quality time involved, you're going to drift away. You're going to drift apart. It shouldn't surprise us, then, that the same thing happens with God. Now, when Linda and I were in uh, Tucson here a couple of weeks ago, actually we went down to Green Valley, just south of Tucson, to visit Linda's parents. And uh, there's something about about Lee, Linda's dad, you know. Uh, When we were first going out, Lee uh, found out that I liked a lot of the same kind of stuff that he does. And when he found this out, and Lee is this outgoing personality, I mean, uh, he's so... Uh such an extrovert. He makes Linda look like an introvert, you know. He is, you know, a guy 82 years old, you know, uh, loaded with energy, still works, uh, loves to keep active, all this kind of stuff. Anyway, he found out that I liked all the same kind of stuff that he likes. So he said to Linda, Shug, if you don't marry him, if you don't marry him, I'm going to have to adopt him. <laughs> so she figured that, you know, it was probably better to have me as a husband than a brother. So, you know, we got married. And we went down there, and uh, Lee is at this age where, um, you know, his friends are, you know, maybe not able to do as much as they used to, or some have died, things like that. So when I come down there, his eyes, you know, get big as saucers, and he looks at me, and he sees Playmate. And he's got the weak scheduled you know we got all these activities going on it's three hours difference in time zone and and i'm discovering as the week goes on that i don't you know i'm not taking that time with the lord that i would normally take you know i'm not i'm not in that routine anymore and as the week goes on i'm discovering that i'm you know i'm starting to feel a little dry here i'm starting to feel like maybe there's a little bit more of a distance between myself and the lord so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to, to sense this and realizing that, you know, I, I need to get back to the Lord. So I resolved to take some time where I would get together with the Lord and just focus on Him. Nothing else, no agenda except that. That's it, period. You know, so, so I got together with the Lord. Now, you know, Martin Luther is one who was one of the biggest, busiest guys who ever lived. I mean, he, he wrote tons of books. He would preach an amazing amount of times during the week, every week. And he was leading this reform movement. Right there enough uh, would be enough busyness to keep him overly busy. But in spite of all this, what he w- used to say was he was too busy not to pray. So he would pray three hours every day. Get up early in the morning, pray three hours every day. Now, when I think about that, man, I think I'm a slug, you know, because I don't come anywhere near three hours every day. You know, for most of us, when, when we pray, I think we can relate to the disciples who, uh, you know, up on uh, the Mount, Mount of Olives where Jesus is saying, can't you stay awake and pray with me even one hour? And we say, no, you know. So I resolve to spend this time with the Lord. After, you know, beginning to drift away, it's like investing in this relationship was costing me in this one. I sat down with the Lord, and in that, in that time with Him, as I focused on Him, you know, I was totally present. and It was an amazing experience. As in that moment, I, I realized God's power, and it's just this awesomeness, and I was just transformed by the experience. And when I got up, I happened to look at my watch, and five minutes had passed, Okay, what that tells me is this. Satan is a liar. What he says is that you got to have an hour, or like Martin Luther, three hours for God. And if you don't, forget it. deal's off. Uh Uh-uh. If you spend five minutes, and I'm living proof, five minutes totally focused on the Lord, you'll be transformed in the process. And if you keep that up on a regular basis, five minutes, Okay, I'm not advocating just five minutes, okay? Hear hear me out on this, all right? But if, if it's even just five minutes, you'll be transformed by the process. Gary Chapman wrote a book called The Five Love Languages. Okay, we're kind of into the number five here today. Five love languages. And there, there's one of the five love languages is quality time, where a person expresses their love through quality time. And what he's saying is that there's a difference between quantity time and quality time. Quality time is where I'm totally present with that person. Focused on them, listening to them, listening to their heart, listening to their words, listening to who they are. And if God has a favored love language, my guess is it's quality time. He came into this world to spend quality time with us. And when that happens, we are transformed in the process and we don't miss the obvious. But many of us are distracted by time. But, uh, you know, there's other things that we can be distracted by as well. I just simply call them other things. The uh, Pharisees had all kinds of other things. They had lists of other things that were there that would distract them from God. What happens is that there's this cycle, this vicious cycle that can happen for people where we have other things that are put in God's place, so therefore we have this distancing that takes place between us and God. And when we are distanced from, between us and God, then what happens is that life can begin to seem meaningless. And the more meaningless life seems to be, the more we invest in other things to try to distract us from the meaninglessness of life. And when we we invest in these other things in life to distract us from the meaninglessness of life, that also then leads to further distancing from God. So it becomes this vicious cycle that goes round and round. How do you break the cycle? You break it in one of two ways. One, you either resolve to focus with quality time on God, or two, you fall on your head like Paul, one or the other. One of the other sections of Scripture in in Acts, one of the three where this story is told about Paul's conversion, it talks about, about it this way, where Jesus says to Paul, then Saul, it is you know, why do you, why do you uh, kick against the goads? Don't you know that it's tough to kick against the goads? And what he's talking about there is this goad stick that people would use that was sharpened on one end. They would poke the donkey with it to get the donkey to move, you know. There's no gas pedal on these things. So they would poke the donkey with that and sometimes the donkey wouldn't get it and they would kick against the goads. They would rebel. And this was Saul. He was kicking against God's attempts to reach him, to draw him to him, to show him the obvious, to tell him that these things were just a distraction away from him. Until finally, finally, he got his attention by Saul landing on his head, sitting there in the middle of the road. Well, for us too, sometimes we need that. And in the course of life, there can be all kinds of things that can happen where uh, different things that can, can happen. We, we get a report from the doctor, or uh, something happens at work, or there's a relationship problem, or we just simply have had a really bad day. And in the course of that, we've got two choices. We can either rebel against God further and look for further distractions, or we can use that like Saul did as an opportunity to see the obvious for the first time maybe, or maybe see the obvious again and be riveted to him and turn back to him and set aside some of the distractions. That's what Saul did. And in the process of doing that, he became Paul, the missionary to the Gentiles. And sitting later on, after his uh, many missions and uh, bringing the good news of Jesus Christ throughout the, the, uh, the Mediterranean world, Paul sat in a Roman jail cell, and he wrote these words in the book of Philippians chapter 3, where he says this, what is more... I consider everything, that is, all of those distractions, I consider everything a loss compared to this, the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish, I consider them trash, I consider them worthless, that I may gain Christ and be found in Him. Today, you have that opportunity. You have that opportunity to not need a dumping from your horse. Instead, that opportunity to say, God, I want you. I'm tired of missing the obvious. I want to see the power of God. I want to see your might in my life. I want my heart transformed.